Alright, uh, let's do this one more time. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. My name is Miles Morales. I was bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. You're listening to the number one podcast in education across the Spider-Verse, Steambox. Are those my Jordans? Hi, this is Roberto. You're back with another Steambox podcast. Today, we have all kinds of guests in the house. Returning, we got Victor Baez. We've got the Steampunks from the ACN Course Network. We've got Christina Seb coming in a little bit later, but right now we want to introduce High Road. High Road is here. Uh, in other communities, they are State Farm. In other communities, they're FKA. Other things, they have all these. <laughs> they have these gamer tags. They probably made you sad playing Call of Duty at one point. <laughs> uh, High Road is in the house. Uh, High Road Steampunks, Victor Baez. Please say what's up to the world. What's All right. Uh, that sounds nice and flat when we do that. Like it, it doesn't sound as 3D uh, and stereoscopic as it does in this room. Oops. I'm going to fix that word later. <laughs> so we just played a track that was not from Drake from State Farm. It was uh, computer generated music. I knew at the moment that I actually liked a Drake song, that it, something was weird because I actually liked a Drake song. Um, did anybody else know right away? That, was anybody fooled? Let me know if you were fooled. I was fooled. So, who can tell me more about being fooled and deceived by AI? Does anybody have any feelings on this? I think it's a, I think one of the things that's scariest about it is that you, you're aware that there are a lot of possible fakes out there. And the minute you see something, you're like, this is exciting. You lose sight of the fact that there's could there could be fake stuff out there. So you get caught up in, okay, well, that's true. That's true. And you're thumbing through your feed and it all just looks normal, normal meaning real. And then randomly thrown in there, there could be two or three or five or 10 computer generated pieces of content. And I think what, what happens is if you're looking for it, you can find it. But because it's mixed in with everything else, it's just almost impossible to to pick out unless you really screen for it. Eli is a Drake fan. Eli, would you be able to figure that out if I didn't tell you that it was AI? I mean, they kind of sound like you could hear like different. Like it feels like he's pausing in the middle words. It wasn't his cadence. He was pausing in the middle of words. He was speaking a little differently than Drake normally speaks. Yeah. So as an a as a Drake expert, you could tell. We've got an AI expert in the room. As an AI expert, could <laughs> you tell? Oh yeah. And tell. the same reason you can you can hear the cadence. Like I've I've heard other ones before. Like Kanye, there's a lot of like uh, deep fakes of him, and you can tell it's not him because he sings speaks raps much slower um and you can always tell in that yeah. because all the ai yeah well yeah there you go but all the ai is learning is the sounds like the timbre of the voice and it can do that if um, especially if you like layered on top of a song that already has the same cadence as the the singer and so you know the experts can tell and in fact your brain can tell the difference and so They've done studies um, on just like written content um, where people will say, no, no, this this sounds real. Like this sounds like a person wrote it, but their brain patterns show that they know that it's not. 
And so you, there's like a different layer on top of which you, um, like you as a human that has to interact socially with other people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's real. But your brain knows that it's not. There's an extra layer. There's an extra layer. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to look out for that extra layer from now on. Cause I want to know when things are fake and when things aren't fake. I couldn't, um, I could only tell when I was watching The Mandalorian because uh, I know that Luke is not that young. And Luke actually kind of never looked as good as he did in The Mandalorian. He looked flawless and super pretty. Well, not after the murders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty. He was a pretty, he, he was, was a pretty, pretty handsome dude. Sorry, the original. Mark Hamill yeah. motorcycle accident. Uh, but it, it gets really difficult to tell. Uh, I think they used it on Harrison Ford in the new Indiana Jones movie yeah. to DH him. But we were talking about how, like, Samuel L. Jackson, this part of the the actor strike now, they're talking about how they want to really have clauses in their contract so then you're not using their likeness. That's really weird to me. How did you feel when I put AI on you, Melanie? Because when we were in Japan, because we're a STEAM organization, I posted tons of pictures, but some of them I added AI and turned it into anime. And I think I turned you guys into weird robots when you were at the karaoke did you see that video? I was in that. You weren't in that video. Did you feel weird about the animation stuff? Did you prefer just the regular video? You thought it looked cool? Is anybody worried about themselves turning into artificial intelligence? Anybody here afraid of being deep fake? I don't think anyone is that interested in me. <laughs> okay, so go ahead. I'll, I'll say that. I think it's it's too late for most of us because our pictures are online and it doesn't take that much to create a defake. Yeah. I'm more worried about posting pictures of my kid online. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that, like, I want him to have a choice about whether he wants to share images or, or audio that might be eventually used to create a defake. And because he's young enough, there's not enough out there yet for someone to do that already. Whereas, like, I, my pictures and my voice are out there. There's nothing I can do to pull that back now. But... Folks who are younger, who haven't posted a ton of stuff online, have a choice. So this is a real concern. You're not looking at this generation. You feel like this generation, our stuff is already out there. We're right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you already have my cookies. Just take them. And <laughs> the website. But but for future generations, we, you don't have my son's cookies, right? Like, yeah. uh, that sounds really gross. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, when we were talking about deep fakes, and this isn't about you or necessarily anybody in this room, but some of us probably have already, not deep fakes, but shallow fake pictures online already, right? Like there's all these filters. Um, there's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call my aunt out. Uh, <laughs> same wedding, my husband's wife uh, posted a picture before the wedding. And um, it, was, it was a really nice picture. And she's a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful woman to begin with. But I noticed in the pictures, there was this thing where the, um, the closet behind her went zigzag, right? And I was like, man, we're nip tucking, we're nip tucking pictures. I didn't say the name, and I got a million ops because I'm Puerto Rican. That's just a thing. Uh, but but yeah, there's zigzags and stuff like that. I notice a lot of times um, we're doing stuff just to make ourselves look a little better. Sometimes I've definitely done it. I change the color all the time because I'm really pink. And then sometimes if I'm wearing like like I want myself to pop out in pictures and be a little better. Like, is this like a small leap or is this a big leap from? Shallow fake to deep fake. Like, is this, are we already on the path for deep fake? We really don't even know it's happening. So, for example, if you've got an iPhone, their camera is already adjusting the image before it gets to you. You're not taking the raw picture, it's already being edited. 
It's already happening for you. We don't even have a choice. I was going to say, like, the default in a lot of countries outside of the U.S. is you have to go in. You have to take all the beauty filters off if you want a, an illegitimate photo of yourself because it's already, like, the default setting in a lot of the phones that you bought. That is wild. That's a, it, So we don't even think about it, but in many ways, AI is already adjusting our lives. It certainly adjusts our preferences, right? Did you guys know, did you, did you ever think about, like, a conversation that I just had, now all of a sudden I'm getting ads for it? I didn't type a single thing into my phone about it, but now I'm getting ads for these things. It's already messing with our lives. Um, so did you know that like when when you if you have an iPhone, it takes a picture of your face like every one second? Cause I found that out through cause I have an Oculus and it's like when you have pass through on it'll. And I, I looked on my phone, I was like, hmm, why is it, why is the camera lens flashing? And uh, it takes a picture of your face every day. The camera's active. Yeah. The camera's yeah. active. I, it's a little different, but it's using the, uh, what's the red? Infrared. Infrared. It's you, yeah, the, infra, the infrared is on. Um, seeing it because you're looking through a, 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 yeah. a viewfinder and you can see the infrared light there where you wouldn't see it if you were just looking directly at the phone. Same thing with a remote control. If I held up yeah. the remote control and pressed the button. But yes, you're right to notice that it's active. And my computers would be too. My laptop, if you looked at my laptop, you would see the same thing. In this case, can't speak for your iPhone. Maybe somebody else can. But in this case, it's waiting to see my face to know to unlock the computer and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of these things are already waiting for us. Sometimes it might feel creepy. And that's what I was hoping to talk about. I was hoping maybe somebody could help us out before we get there. Before we start talking about my doom and gloom stuff about how AI is, the Terminator's real, and it's a thing, and they're going to come and destroy our lives, uh, before we have that conversation, I want to learn a little bit more about iRoad. I'm hoping somebody can tell me about what your team, what your team specifically is doing, why you are in Rhode Island today together, because are you from Rhode Island? Are you from, like, the same place or all over? Across the country. I'd love to hear more about that. And I'd love to hear why you're with Steambox today. Can anybody, who's, who can speak on this? Yeah, sure. So um, we come from- This is Greg speaking, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks again for having us. I'm happy to have you. Yeah. So we, we come from all over the country and we work on a product where we help people save money on their car insurance using, using data. So it turns out that a lot of people pay more than they should for their car insurance because insurance companies use a lot of data that doesn't actually relate to how you how you drive. And so what we do is um, we use data to understand driving behaviors and give people pretty steep discounts off of their premiums by using this big data and calculating how safe a driver they are. So the idea is to help people who ordinarily would pay maybe a hundred or $150 a month and they can save, you know, maybe half that cost if they're, if they're a safe driver. That's what this team does. Yeah. So we, we help build the technology that powers that kind of an insurance. So how did that become a hands-on activity that all of you had to get together like Voltron <laughs> in Rhode Island today? How did that, how did that happen or this week even? Yeah. So we, we operate here in Rhode Island and, um, we have a lot of customers here and we have a customer care center, which supports all, all of our customers here in Rhode Island. And we decided to gather here in part because when you're building products, you want to know 
what your customers want. And um, this was a great place to come to sort of get some of that information and figure out what to build. Yeah. One of the most important things that I think many of us have discovered as we've done our careers is if you're going out to try to solve a problem, one of the most important things is to go and find out where the problem is happening and talk to the people who are having the problem. Because then you can actually start coming up with the right solutions. Too many times I think a lot of people will say, hey, I have a great idea, and they'll go off and chase an idea without really knowing what problem they're trying to solve. Um, and so as Greg mentioned, as an example, having this app, so a lot of the technology is built into the app. And so as you're driving, it's always on, right? Just so like the idea of your, your phone, you look at it and it unlocks it, the camera's always on. It's always taking measurements of how you're driving, what you're doing, because by having a deeper, richer, more dynamic picture of a person, you're not just taking one isolated data point of, hey, I want to buy this insurance. Here's some information. And it's a point to point. It's it's always developing a richer picture of an individual. And therefore, we can also make recommendations. So not just assessing how a person is but turn that into recommendations as to little things that you can do differently to make it better. What's your name? Chris. Chris, bro, are you eating my cookies? I am. <laughs> I have all of your cookies. There's a lot of cookies. <laughs> but, but let's make it like real and concrete for a minute here. The first time you get car insurance, car, car, com car insurance companies don't know anything about you. There's no driving history. The first time you start driving a car, they think you're a pretty high risk because you're inexperienced. Well, you might actually be a very good driver. Maybe you play a lot of video games. You have great hand-eye coordination. You have great spatial awareness. And one of the things that we can do is instead of basing your price purely on how you have driven in the past or the fact that there's no data on you, how you've driven in the past, we can look at how you're driving now and actually track your driving behavior. And so we can make the price related to how, how good a driver you actually are instead of what the paper trail of your history says. And that's really good for people who don't have driving history. So when you start driving, if you actually are a safe driver, you, you probably are in the, the group of people who benefit most from a product like ours. That's amazing. That's, that's just accurate and how it should be. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So I think this is the way that the entire industry is going to go eventually. Okay. So this is more of like a newer um, thing or like creation amongst this industry? So Gelmatics itself, and, and that's kind of the, the loose name for using uh, driving data um, to price on, is not hugely new. So basically, I think in the early aughts, um, I think it was Progressive, was kind of the first company to sort of do most telematics in, uh, in price. Um, a lot of the initial work was around like devices that you actually put into your car um, called a dongle. Don you would actually like plug it into your, your car and it would kind of like, you know, track a lot of what was going on. A lot of the newer telematics use a, a device that is on your mobile phone itself. Um, so those tend to be a little bit more um, accurate in some ways and a little bit less accurate in others because, you know, obviously your phone can move around in ways that like, you know, your car might not necessarily um, but one of the things that was very innovative about High Road is a lot of companies would kind of take initial like kind of telematics information um, and then brace your price on it for like you know, the next six months to a year. Um, what High Road kind of innovated was this idea of creating this continuous feedback loop. So essentially every month your discount varied based on how you drove over the previous 30 days, which allowed you to get a lot more of a virtuous cycle of you're driving well, you're getting a discount. 
you're driving badly. You kind of know immediately that you're driving badly. What? Right. And you're what's right. your name? Alex. Alex. Sorry. And what was your name? Teague. One more time. Teague. Teague. What up, Teague? Uh, this is Daniel. Uh, Daniel's got a question for somebody in this room. Yeah. Like when was High Road? Uh, so High Road was started in 2016, um, and I think we wrote our first policy here in Rhode Island in 2017. Yeah. Thank you guys for not flooding the market with um, flow. Uh, <laughs> all good with flow you got a question for these guys yeah i do i was just uh looking at your website mostly you know checking it out seems pretty interesting since i myself am looking for a car insurance actually because i'm planning to start driving so i may totally look into you guys uh i'm looking at it and it seems that you're gonna talk to alex for a discount but i'm just looking at it and there's a picture that just shows like that like as it seems like the max you could get is fifty percent, but how does the like the percentage on discounts work with the actual app? Like, yeah, the, the price keep fluctuating depending on how. Is there someone? Is there someone here in this cone of the spectrum? I just wanted to make sure uh, we got everybody in. Yeah. So I'll leave, or go ahead. Either one. Sure. Yeah. So we engage with you constantly, right? Every day you're driving we get your user behavior. So the app will track how your driving is and your scores. And based on your scores, that's what the discount will be. So we do our pricing in the back, you know, like you don't see the pricing and how we come up with it, but you will be happy with, <laughs> with it because every other company, as Alex said, you know, every six months, they might adjust your premium based on your driving. They might not, but then they might take rates and you won't even see an adjustment. But with us, every month you do see that adjustment just because of how you're acting in the car. What's your name again? Ariona. Ariona. It I gotta tell you, I got scared for a second. It sounded like weird hypnotherapy because <laughs> Whoa. You said you will be happy if I had him, but you I felt it for a second. Uh progressive. Uh with plans. I have a confiding. Just because of flow, I'd be happy to change. Can I tell y'all a secret? You know flow. Flow is. Are, are you related to flow in any way? I don't want to No, no, no. We're. I'm. I'll, if you want to pay the least amount of money, guess what the number one thing you have to do is. I'm saying when you do driver. And what? yes. And how do you do that? Don't pass people on the shoulder to speak. I'll give you a hit. You were just holding it in your hand. No, no, no. Yeah. The number one thing that people do that causes accidents is touching their phone while they're driving. Texting, talking, anything with your phone, that is by far the, the thing that um, leads to crashes and, and accidents and things like that. And, and interestingly, like we know when people do that, and it's the most predictive thing for how good a driver is. So if you just don't touch your phone while you're driving, you're going to say, that's exactly what I wanted to know. Uh, this is an area I'm going to get into. Who here is not from Rhode Island? Okay. <laughs> Most of this high road team is not from Rhode Island. So is that all of this high road team? This high road team is not from Rhode Island. Uh, you're right. They go to school here. Oh, sorry. Sorry, we're not supposed to talk about it. I'm sorry, God, that was the word we talked about on the way here. Sorry about your educational experience. <laughs> 
and deep sea too. Wait, you're from Rhode Island? Yeah, I grew up in Warwick. Our Warwick people are not here today. Our Warwick people are, which is sad. We have a Warwick group in this uh, from this group. We had uh, bank robbery make the news a couple of weeks ago because they got away with uh, they got away with was it half a mil? Yeah, half a million dollars on Federal Hill. Uh, they got away with half a million dollars. Federal Hill, you might know from mafia movies and stuff like that. That's where we're gonna go later to. Yeah, the, yeah, they took us not not to rob a bank. This is our second time here this month, by the way. That, that makes sense. Yeah. And, although it wouldn't be the bank robbery because we we have an idea of who did that. A lot of people always think inside jobs, so they start with the inside people. Yeah. And using AI, our police didn't, but since this was a bank robbery, it became like a, a federal investigation. But the FBI has different tools. So I'm watching what happened because I have like a deep interest in artificial intelligence because of how I'm educating the students. Am I, are we still learning how to code websites when we can talk to a computer with a prompt and get the same website done in one one hundredth of the time? So what I saw was they were able to identify where this person's car was every point of the night. Using all the cameras, they were able to identify the car throughout the night and know that it wasn't matching where her story said her car was. So they used AI in ways different than local law enforcement. And what has already been alluded to here is you guys have access and you know when we're on our phones while we're driving. Can somebody talk more about that without getting into, without implicating yourselves with privacy stuff, right? Because it is, it's, it's a controversial subject, isn't it, right? Like the privacy stuff. So can somebody tell me a little bit more about that? Well, to start with, we only collect data that you say we can collect. So. We do require people to opt in to share their data with us when they sign up. And so if you decide not to share your data, we're probably not a good insurance for you, but also like we won't collect it. Can I throw a challenge flag? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to call BS, uh, not on you. I'm not saying you're lying, but the concept, have you guys ever agreed to share your data after a 10 page long thing that you don't read? Nobody agrees. Roll to the bottom. Yeah. yeah I just like say, okay, or fine, or whatever. Just don't. So I'm challenging, I don't, I, I believe what you're saying. I don't believe that you're lying to me, but I don't think that people have truly consented to certain things if we're scrolling through the thing. I'm not throwing high road under the bus. I'm assuming that every insurance company and all these people, and right now I'm having a conversation more about the artificial intelligence and the way we use things. Again, please, I hope I haven't made high road look poorly. We appreciate you guys coming in and working with the students. But that's an and that's where some of the things get a little controversial, right? Like, have we really consented to this? I'm sorry, please don't. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fair it's a fair question. I think a lot of people don't read it. I think one of the advantages of something like High Road is because the entire premise of it is you share your data and we will give you a discount. More of our customers, I think, understand what they're doing than if you're you know sharing data with an app that's asking for permissions that it has no need for. Right. The purpose of our app is to track your driving behavior so that we can give you a discount. Um, the purpose of an app that takes your pictures, like should make, probably ask for camera permissions, but like probably shouldn't be asking for knowing what all the other apps on your phone are, right? right? Things like that. And so there's a, there's an element here of asking for only the data that we actually need. But to your point, one of the things that we do ask for is, is, uh, accelerometer data. So we can tell both for, um, 
how your phone is moving through space while you're driving, but also if you pick up your phone while you're driving, that'll show up in the in the data. And so we can tell when someone is touching their phone while they're driving and say, that's not very safe. Your score is going to go down and that'll probably affect your your discount. And I think it's a fair trade-off. I think the way I think of it is um, I tend not to touch my phone when I'm driving, but also I would love if you know all the drivers around me also had this and were getting penalized for touching their phones while they're driving. Because what I really want is for the person behind me not to be looking at their phone and running into me. Yeah. Yeah. As a motorcycle rider, I would appreciate the same. Did you have something to add? Oh, uh, not exactly, but I will add something oh. here. I mean, like the whole concept of consent, what does that actually mean? And especially when you're producing an app or whatnot. It, I was just thinking about um, the, the 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 drama with the with threats, you know, and Game. a lot of people creating thread accounts uh, because they wanted to get away from Twitter and then realizing when they read through the consent, um, like the, the fine prints, like what exactly they're actually giving access to. So it almost feels as if there needs to be more scrutiny around what um, companies can allow, you know, like what companies can actually, what data they can access instead of just inserting it all into the fine prints. And then to your point, no one reads the fine prints. And so we're consenting to so many things that we don't actually even realize that we're giving, giving companies access to. And do those companies need access to that information or not? Especially when they don't have a good use case for it. Because I think a lot, a lot of the data that uh, Threads is collecting is for the future. In the future, we might use these data, you know, about you. And then there's a repercussion in terms of what you will no longer have access to if you want to delete your Thread account. That sounds a little wild, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, because I know at first, especially people were, if you were deleting your Threads account, it would delete automatically your Instagram account. I think they probably fixed it by now, but that was like a weird glitch. No, it's still a thing. Oh, it's still a thing? Yeah. Yes, yeah, people are like, that's so weird. Like, yeah. what is going on here? It's almost like you're, you're tied together forever, no matter what. So yep. it's just pretty scary. Somebody somebody here had an Oculus Quest, right? It was, uh, th and you have an option to have an account through Oculus Quest or through your Facebook account. Uh, at first, it was just your Facebook account. And now to untie one, you're kind of untying the other. And it does stuff to your social media. How do you get on? Do you get on through your Facebook or do a separate account? Uh, Facebook. You go on through Facebook. Did you have to make a Facebook? Because your generation hardly even touches Facebook. You just send them a To your mom. <laughs> we have your mom's good. <laughs> Man, that sounds so rough. <laughs> sounds so rough. Uh, I I love it. I'll just add something to the privacy um, conversation. So based on the comer like the customer research that we did, actually um, it was uh, most people really don't mind sharing data as long as they start getting something in return that they think is worth. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so I could trade like I'm giving my data, but what am I getting in return? Yeah. Right. And uh, and then also it's just like it's very common now. Pretty much you're being tracked by. It all technology around you. I mean, you have Alexa, Google Home. I mean, everybody's listening. So it's it's not like anything different. Uh, it's all around you. And this is just another use case. Can I ask you guys, before I get to Melanie's question, can I ask you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. One thing. Yeah. Um, so like Ali said, it's a trade-off, right? So all of these new AI systems and technologies that you're looking for, they wouldn't have been able to happen without everyone consenting to get their data. And so they like an AI system that's built to recognize patterns to predict the future is nothing without the data to train it. And so the only reason that we've gotten here with things like GPT, ChatGPT, OpenAI, all of the models, the LLMs that are available now is because we've already consented through the last like five, 10 years to give our data.
But isn't it nice to get something in return for right. once? Well, and exactly here, you know, now <laughs> we got that. We got that fake break. Money speaks louder than words. Or right. Like, and wow. so it is like what I'm saying, it's a trade off, right? Like to enable something like that, yep. to enable, you know, uh, chat dpt to write a paper for you you needed to have already given your i have consent. so many more questions for you. <laughs> uh, does anybody else feel like chris and i had a moment where we we said it do you, raise your hand if you sometimes don't read the terms and conditions and what it's asking for some that's all this is all, yeah. this is all, this is most of the high road team um and do we do we kind of feel like the world already has our cookies is it yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I think one of the big things that many of us have learned is that convenience, and this is something it, it took me a long time to really grip, but convenience will start outweighing so many other things that you're willing to give for. And this is this is probably the good topic, which is how how much are we willing to give for convenience? So, for example, we're all sitting here today. We were able to take Uber cars here from where we were earlier. But that's all because we've consented to give location on my phone and give information about who I, who am I to pick me up, who the driver is, so I understand that they're sick. We we have already for years already started consenting into things because it gives us convenience. Convenience comes with a price. The price is the privacy of what we think is valuable. Um, as far as the cookies, those things. I mean, once again, they're just. They're crumbs, right? They're ways to track. You have Eli's mom, but we know, we know still. That is the title of this podcast. It, but what's what's really cool is I, I'm hopeful that, and I'm really interested to know what the younger generation thinks about. They have so much access to technology now, to data, to be able to work on AI projects because of those liberties that we've given, right? So, and we've done it at a price, but you can do really amazing, great positive things with it or unfortunately really horrible destructive things with that kind of technology but now we've given a lot more power to those that we rely on in this room to do something really good with it we're gonna get there melanie um i wanted to ask you um like you said you played yeah i said um did you play in high school yeah i played um all the way through high school i started when i was like 13 and then i was a walk-on on my college team and decided that uh, it was too much for me to handle to do like 7 a.m. practices when I had like early classes. I was a science student, so I was a biology major in undergrad, so yeah. Very similar. Um, what position did you So I was a setter for most of the time that I played all the way up to college. And then I was in, um, like, while I was in college was when the Libero position came into being. So, uh, what? The Libero. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, can, can you tell our audience what that is? I didn't realize there was positions <laughs> in volleyball. I thought everything just rotated out. <laughs> like, like, your actual, like, named positions. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. For, so, a Libero. Holy cow. Do that and live it. Uh, is a defensive specialist that plays in the back row and they can they you don't have to use a sub for them so you have a limited amount of subs that you can substitutions in the game and so or during a game and so libero can just walk in they can't serve they can't hit the ball over the net like as an attack in front of the 10-foot line um but they can just walk in like as as people finish serving like usually middle 
middle blockers serve. They're they're usually the ones that Libros come in for because they're not as good in the back row. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really interesting position. Yeah. Anybody else here play volleyballs? No. You found you found your target. <laughs> what position do you play, Melanie? Um, my freshman year, I played the setter for my JV team, and then sophomore year, I was libero for first. It's awesome. I did not know this, but she was involved in a foot race in Japan, and she is really fast. Melanie. <laughs> yeah, we need it for both of those positions. It's all about speed. Eli, Peter Parker, uh, what's your question? Um, the sub question for Greg. Greg. Yeah. Um, do you play video games? You know, I think I'm one of the few people in this room who doesn't play a lot of video games. Me too. I don't. Well, we have some expert curs <laughs> over in this corner here. Um, yeah. So, far away. All right. So, I'm going to change question to... What are what are your actual gamer tags? Like don't no. Don't don't give me a group cover red name. Come on. Discord Pete. Valentine, right? Valentine. Already. What's your favorite venue you Ooh. favorite's a hard one. Um I will go with the, the stuff that I'm playing most right now, uh Rocket League. Um a little bit of Rainbow Six Extraction when I feel like some co op. Uh and uh occasionally apex or um or or fifa um i like fifa career mode just see something nodding the games the games that he mentioned came out over three years ago seriously that's right no you're right the reason i know this is because that's literally my same playlist when i go home rocket league with the big group and uh i'm sorry rocket league with the small group and rainbow with the bigger group yeah i'm i mostly play um Stuff that would be classified as esports. It's multiplayer games. I play it to hang out with friends um, and to relax, obviously. But yeah, I, I don't play a lot of the single player games that sort of release every year. Um, I tend to play stuff that has a, a high skill cap and, and practice it. I actually used to be big into Halo, coached semi pro Halo. Um, and uh, I've always had an interest in the lessons you can learn from video games that are applicable in other parts of life. Enzo wants to uh, play you in Marvel vs. Capcom. I like that. Oh, I I noticed that because you actually, when you were mentioning, you you were actually the one that was like, oh, video games. It, it depends if you play a lot of video games and you have a lot of spatial awareness. And I was like, yeah, yes. definitely a gamer. <laughs> no, no adult would say that. That's right. No, I, I I started out as a pretty good driver because I was playing X Wing way back in the day. You got to. Tracking, tracking, you know, Tie Fighters in, in 3D space was a lot harder than tracking like cars on a, on a flat plane. Yeah. So from an insurance perspective, yeah. uh, you you were serious that games like Forza Motorsports that have like a realistic kind of flow improve your driving skills. It can. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of transfer, transferable skills from video games. We don't necessarily use that data. In, caveat that, but like, <laughs> but but if you're learning skills on on like. Say you, you saw a car go past you and you have in the yeah. back of your mind where that car probably is right now without having a look. Yep. That's useful whether you're playing a video game or whether you're driving. Um, she wants you to hold on. <laughs> she's like, she, we got a challenge flag here. So, um, so I went to grad school in a field called um, cognitive neuroscience. And um, my lab was a spatial orientation lab. So we're doing a lot of studies about video games, how much you can sort of simulate and what you pick up from what you, sim you simulate. 
Um, the only thing that we've been able to establish the link between video games and improving real life skills is reaction time. The other thing is visual acuity and visual timing is a lot harder to establish because when you're in a video game, you're looking at a, a box, right? Looking at a square. And so everything you get used to predicting things coming from certain angles. You are looking 360, 180 in real life. And so it's really hard when you're looking- He's got an Oculus. Well, <laughs> so that's true. But you, and that would only make sense if you always were the Oculus, right? If you always were the Oculus, you always had the box in front of you. And so then- like, and still, like, real life movement is very different to track visually. So the only thing that really has been established is react the video games improve reaction time. I'll take it. Let's spam on that. So we're talking here about there's there's three main types of skills in video games. I'm going to go a little bit of, of, of uh, old school Halo coach here. Micro, macro, and comms, mm -hmm. right? So micro skills are what you're talking about, the things like visual acuity, reaction time. These are the things you might call mechanical skills in Rocket League, for instance, the ability to pull off a particular flip. Second set of skills is macro skills. It's game flow, the, the ability to think about and predict what other players are going to do, which is also helpful in driving, right? If you start to think about how other people are going to react, you practice those skills of recognizing how to the literature situation. Third set of skills is, is communication. It's leadership skills. It's the things when if you're playing a team game. This whole set of skills, this set of practice of organizing a group of people with different skills to achieve a common goal is actually extraordinarily valuable in, in business settings and even more so now that most business settings are remote. Science. I think both both, both points were valid. I think both points were valid. I think she's saying, hold on. So I think Angelia thinks her point is. Literally, um, this was my dissertation. We're going with it. I bring it before this was figurative, bro. I thought, uh, are you gaming? Yeah. What, what do you play? I play, I'm, I'm into like the like RPG worlds. I, I love um like Harry Potter, the new Harry Potter, like the real world, open world. I like that a lot. I'm not really. Well, like this, uh, it's like this, like this stereotype in the hip hop guy who, who's came to us talking about hip hop and and uh, your level of fame talking about hip hop. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't expect to go Harry Potter. I didn't done so. Like I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I love it. I'm dying to go to the Hogwarts. Um, what was that universe? Uh, yeah, the she just she just went uh, Osaka Hogwarts, which was dope. Any other gamers in the room? Yeah. What are you What are you playing? Um, I'm Zelda for life, and so for right now, Tears of the Kingdom is a big. Uh, it's pretty much taking up all my free time. I pulled like that on my. Um, I've got one of those ROG allies. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. I love Rocket League. I just finished Diablo Four yesterday, so I feel like a champ today. Any other gamers? What, what are you What are we playing? Valentine, right? Valentine. What are we playing? Valentine. <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite. And I already know you're a Call of Duty guy. You're a Call of Duty guy. Uh, how does it could be? Um, too loyal to the name. <laughs> what's the what's the name on the back of your shirt? That's what I'm uh, saying. Wait, wait. Oh yeah. So so the people other than children call you Dada? Is that oh yeah. Because I'm calling you Dada. I'm now. Uh, <laughs> Valentine. Uh, quick, quickly, because uh, I have two more questions and I gotta I gotta get through them and it's my fault because I take so many detours. Um, is there? Do you, what's your what's your uh what do you call it? Win win percentage in Fortnite? Fortnite for people who don't know it, you like uh, battle royale, like the old Japanese movie. It's one versus a hundred sometimes. Uh, what's your winning percentage? Because it should be one percent, right? On average, what? I, I never. I'm gonna frown reality, man. I have no idea. Dang. It's zero. You got a good. You're doing all right on uh, Rainbow. 
Uh, just co-op. The extraction one, not not Siege. I get my ass kicked on the rainbow. What's your rank in Apex? In Apex? He's the run you want to talk to about Apex. Yeah. You're an Alan Tony. Diamond one. Can't break into nest. <laughs> Fortunate. Do you have a Kate? Do you have a Kate that you're winning percentage? I'm like a 1.6. Yeah. Black Ops 2. I was a 3.15. Like, Damn. I was insane in Black Ops 2. I, I now am terrible, uh, but I couldn't touch you in Harry Potter and some of these other things. Um, what is your question? Okay, so I have this question. This is like to insurance. Like, so like you're 16 years old. This is the first time you're getting your insurance. Like, how how do you get to this? Yeah, so it's it's all based on how well you drive. So if if you um, practice a lot, if you're careful behind the wheel, if you don't touch your phone when you're driving, if you pay attention at stop signs, if you don't speed, things like that, then you can save quite a bit of money. And it's it's particularly valuable for younger people because like Teague was saying before, usually younger people, because you don't have a driving history, the insurance companies get nervous because they think younger generation is going to you know not drive very well. But this is a way to actually prove that you're a good driver and yeah, I'm gonna give you guys a couple of couple of tips. So first of all, most people do not get a policy themselves when they're 16 years old, and that's kind of anywhere from any carrier. Usually, you get added to your parents' policy um, at that point. So that's good because once you're added to your parents' policy, that's going to sort of create an insurance history for you. Every carrier will care about that insurance history kind of going forward. The other thing that's kind of crazy to recommend is get a credit card. Like, get a credit card, pay it off every month. You know, building credit history, as dumb as it sounds, like, kind of opens up a lot of doors to basically everything that you're going to end up doing, you know, in the rest of your life where you need to enroll in something. So kind of establishing that, like, you know, when you're able to do so, kind of helps. Going back to the gaming question, I, I want to finish on this. This is one of the things I wanted to take advantage of uh, the expertise in the room. Um, some of these games give you tools so that you can modify the game. And when they do that, Halo did that uh, before. Uh, famously, Valve does that with a lot of their games. And when they do that, it, you see so many beautiful uh, cr community creations. You can now play... Uh, I can play a game in Fallout. I can play a game of Fallout and the big bad monster that's chasing me is suddenly wearing the, the goggles and the and the do-rag of Macho Man Randy Savage and chasing me and going, oh yeah, as he chases me, uh, which is horrifying. It's <laughs> horrifying to your theories. Slim Jims. I feel it, yeah, yeah, Slim Jims, and I think about Spider-Man when it's like, hey, freak show, uh, those kind of things. <laughs> uh, you get so many amazing, we've seen it, right? Has anybody ever seen like amazing, beautiful content uh, creation from the community, uh, from these mods? We've also seen, uh, from the anonymity online, we've also seen evil, right? Has everybody seen evil online, whether it's Twitter, uh, through somebody hiding behind a, their, their Twitter tag, or uh, some kind of social media, or in video games, just people harassing you in video games? Have you, Eli, uh, my amazing, wonderful Eli, beautiful person, should never be harassed. Have you ever encountered somebody who's an a-hole online? Please follow the VHO in Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Dada, have you run into a-holes in Call of Duty? Of course. <laughs> One of the things I'm worried about, 
yesterday we used AI to make music. You can use AI to make pictures. I used it to do some amazing, beautiful things. And I think about if people ever want to regulate AI, well, okay, so now High Road might have to do certain things with their AI because it's regulated, but not the users in their homes, not the users in their garage. You can never regulate everybody on how they use AI. Can AI be used for evil? For instance, you guys have a lot of people's data and you talk about how you use it and how you don't use it. But a lot of companies, we've seen companies get hacked. Can AI, not for a high quality company like High Road that has all of these, uh, all of these protections in place, but can AI lead to evil doom? Should we be worried at some point? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Human nature. I'm sure you've thought of this. So I'm going to ask you and then others in the room as we wrap up. Um, what's a scenario that we should realistically think about? And what are some good things that we should do in the meantime? Um, so I think a lot of the AI doom conversations have come around like, oh, it's going to take over the world. We're going to have like Cylons and Terminators. and so stuff. Battlestar Galactica reference. <laughs> if you don't know it, find out. One of the best shows yeah. of all time. <laughs> the original ones. Yeah. The end of that show is trash. The end was yeah. to... but, um, every yeah, but so is Mass Effect 3, and these things happen, right? Like Star Wars, it just, I don't know. Have an idea of where you're going to end up better than that. Like, you know, come on. But, <laughs> and Ewok Celebration. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, um, you know, a lot of those are physical robots, and, like, we have, like, a long runway and a long gap to actually apply these next-generation, like, neural networks to those physical bots so that is less of a concern we've already seen the model for how people can be manipulated through data and through like interactions on the internet we saw it through from 2016 through now you know like all the QAnon stuff and all of that um that is the real threat with ai is how quickly you can just spin up false anything right like we've talked about deep fakes which is deep learning fakes, we've talked about, um, you know, like data breaches and things like that. The real fear and the real threat is us as individuals now having to go, is this real? And we are going to have to be better uh, because if the technology exists, it's going to be used to for evil. Like, it's just kind of how it works. What's your most likely scenario? It's okay to scare the children in the room. <laughs> What's like the one what's the one that you think about the most? So this is a little bit outdated and it's already happening, but like, you know, a lot of the the phone uh the spam calls that you get where, you know, you answer it and nobody's on the other end. Um, you know, they're grabbing like the little pieces of your voice that you can hear through the phone and putting it through Whoa. training an AI on that so, like oh, I didn't even think about the voice yeah. that I'm giving them. And, um, you know, so what has been like, there's a whole scam industry now around taking s someone's voice that and duping it and like scamming you with it, calling you back and saying, send me money. Like if it's like your daughter going, mom, I need money. I'm in trouble. You know, um, when you're hearing something through a phone, it's already tinny. So the, the AI doesn't have to grab that much to be able to like expand a pattern on it. That's what AI does. It just predicts patterns and it, it, it finds and creates patterns or predicts patterns. And so there are a lot of things 
if you want to use it for evil. So you're not talking about you're not talking about a Terminator scenario that could happen in 2040. You're talking about stuff that's happening right now. I'm talking about a dude down the street being like, like, let me let me just mess with everyone around me and get the most I can get out of it. Why we can't get our PlayStation 5s uh, in our our, uh, Taylor Swift tickets a lot of the time. Um, And it's it's little inconveniences right now. But like, what about tomorrow? Right, exactly. And so we've already seen like what um, manipulation through social media looks like, you know, with a lot of the um, stuff that comes out around elections and things like that. Like um, and, you know, we're already kind of in that mode as a society. And so we in the U.S. don't have a lot of the protections that you do in other parts of the world. And so that is definitely the real fear. What gives you hope? Um. I think the things that give me hope are the fact that um, the AI ethicists are starting to be a lot more vocal and there's starting to be interest in thinking through what that means and the fact that the government is finally starting to catch up, like the FTC is starting to go, even after all these things, terrible things have happened over because of social media, they're starting to go, oh, we should start investigating these things. It's a little late, but there is a little hope there. And I think that um, my hope is actually in individuals. The more you know, and the more AI literacy you have as a single person, the better you will be able to see and see through what's fake. And that'll help all of society. Can you share your name again? Eugenia. Where can people find your uh, Doctor Who podcast? So my podcast is called Woke Doctor Who. We're actually on hiatus right now because I just had a baby. <laughs> it's like I haven't seen one. But yeah, Woke Doctor Who. Definitely. Woke Doctor Who and... Club Ambition Podcast. Club Ambition. This has been Steambox. Uh, I have a bunch of other people in the room. I want to, this is, this is an opportunity. Uh, I didn't get to give the mic to every single person in this room. So if there's somebody who later is going to be like, I wish I had a chance to say this. Now is your chance. Does anybody give me one thing, whether it's AI related, high road related, or just like something dope about you that we should know before we say goodbye to the world. (laughs) Everybody's quiet. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Everybody's quiet. This was my first podcast. This was your first podcast. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, I'm hoping that some of the students in this room, they're here for Podcasting 101. So I'm hoping that some of them are going to develop some really cool podcasts. I know she wants to make an education one. We're about to have a hip hop one uh, coming up next. And I'm going to see you guys later today and be ready to be involved in the egg drop. Might get a little bit of egg on you. I don't know. But we're going to do some egg drops later today. Um, is it okay if we take a picture before we go? Yeah. All right. This has been Club Ambition, Steambox, High Road, um, saying goodbye to the world. I just want to make sure everybody has a chance to say peace out. Peace, peace out. out.